Jesus, have it all. Amen. Amen. All my days, all my life, have it all. Amen. Amen. <laughs> all right, we're going to put that to the test. All right, praise the Lord. We're going to do that, all right? Welcome to the church. Uh, we're in, uh, we're, we're in the, the, the book of Luke, Luke chapter 20. Kind of, basically, it's kind of crazy. We're in that last week of Jesus' life uh, before he goes to the cross and, uh, and the, to the tomb and then, uh, and then rises again from the grave. All right, it's going to be pretty amazing, uh, but we're going to take our time, as you've been seeing, that we've been doing. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 20. Verses 9 through 18, and you can follow along. I'll put the words up on the screen. And uh, this is taking place not too long of what we talked about last week. Jesus is, I think this is like on a Tuesday, all right, before that Friday of the cross, all right? And he's in the temple, and he's teaching, and he's talking, and there are just, there's just hundreds and thousands of people, all right, crowding Jerusalem, and it's kind of a crazy time. And so let me, let me just kind of take us back in history, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to read through the scripture. We're going to kind of go and see what Jesus is actually telling the you know, people he's actually talking talking to, how that really relates to us, and then we're going to challenge another area of scripture that just makes it all about what he's telling us today, amen? amen. Yeah, you're saying that now, so let's just see what happens, all right? Praise the Lord, Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 18. Father, this is your word. I pray, Lord God, that uh, you help us stay underneath it for your glory, in Jesus' name. In Luke chapter 20, verse 9, it says this, and he began to tell the people this parable. He said, a, a man planted a vineyard, and he let it out to the tenants and went into another country for a long while. And when the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant. But they also beat him and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third, and this one he also wounded and cast out, man. And then the owner of the vineyard said, well, what shall I do? I'll send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir, all right? Let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. And Jesus asked the question, what then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He'll come and destroy these tenants, right? He'll give the vineyard to others. And when they heard this, they said, no way, all right? Surely not. But he looked directly at them. And he said, well, what, is, what, what then is, is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And if it falls on anyone, it'll crush them. What do you think about that? Huh? <laughs> so easy, right? How easy it is for people who are doing the work of God to desire 
the position of God. You see, Jesus' story right here is, it's, it is an important parable, all right, at that time about the nation of Israel, all right, to whom God gave the world leadership responsibility to go and bear fruit, to know him and to make him known and to lead others to do the same. To know God, to make God known, all right, and to lead other people to do the same thing. That's where their job, yeah, one job, right? That was their job. And I'll tell you, man, there is no more important work, no more noble work on the planet, all right? Here, God is asking for the fruit, man, and they can't produce it. They can't produce it. It's just days before the crucifixion. Jesus tells the people how they're going to give them up. He just tells them right there how they're going to give them up and how they're going to kill them. And I wonder how many held on to his words in just that short time. And I wonder how many, how, how many of us hold on to the words of God in the little bit of time that we got. I can't stand it, man, when I read the word of God, right? And then, you know, read the word of God, get all, you know, into it, and later forget what he said. Has that ever happened to anybody here? All right, you know what I'm talking about? It's just like, like, it's like, it's like, it's this every morning we're in heaven before God, and he's saying some stuff, and we're like, yeah, right on, man. And we're hearing it, right? And we're hearing it, right? And then by noon, we totally forget what he said. I don't like that story. I don't want that to be my story. But but today, I'm hopefully today, we would like to give you the key, all right, to to changing that story. See, because there were a lot of people that were standing right there with Jesus, right there, all right, as he was saying these words, and just in a short couple of days, they're totally going to forget that, and they're going to be shouting, crucify him. I don't want that to be my story, man. One morning, I'm listening to God, and he's just telling me everything, all right, that is so cool. I need to hear. And then by the, before the end of the day, I'm like, you know, whatever, man. I, ain't even, I don't even remember what he said, but I got things to do. You know what I'm saying? I don't want that to be my story. I don't want it to be your story. Amen? <laughs> Told you, man, we're going to put it all to the test. All right, let's pray. Father, we give you the praise, and this is all for your glory, Lord God. And we pray, Lord, that you would lead us through your scripture and help us to understand and make the connection in Jesus' name. Like I said, we're going to take a look at the scripture that God had just given us in Luke, and then we're going to jump a couple of days ahead, that Friday night that was coming up, where Jesus kind of give us, I think, each of us some personal instruction. As he does right here, you'll see. In Luke chapter 20, verse 9, it says, He began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, led it out to tenants, and went into another country for a long while. What we understand just right there is that the vineyard existed before the tenants. The vineyard was already here. And here's what's crazy, man. I think we all have a tendency to believe that we've done everything, that we've created everything that we see and everything that's happened. We have a tendency to to believe that it's all us, man. Everything. But we forget that everything we used, all right, to build that was his building material. Everything you're sitting on, looking at, experiencing, all right, we didn't go and import it someplace that God was not a part of. We used his building material that was already here to create everything we got. And we, we cannot be trying to take credit for all that. 
It's like when the enemy, all right, that, that fictitious you know, the story, that, that when the enemy comes up to God and says, I can do anything you can do, man. And God says, you know what, all right, let me see you make a human being. And the enemy says, all right, he grabs some dirt. God says, hey, wait, 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 use your own dirt, bro. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? We got to remember, man, this vineyard, it already existed before. The tenants, all right, and the tenants were he placed in the vineyard right, were to work the ground, man, to work you know, the, 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 the vineyard, man, and to produce fruit. Basically, there were people who were to know God and make God known and let other show, and so that others can do the same. That's the fruit. And you hear me tell you this over and over. I mean, how many times have I told you that's our job? Because it's our job. That's right. All right, primary, first and foremost, we are here to know God, our creator, our king, his glory, all right? We're here to know God, man, and that's, and that's gonna be a lifelong endeavor, man. You're gonna be looking at that for life. You don't just accomplish that. I got saved, I got dunked, I know God. You know what? It's a continual process. We don't stop. We continue to know God more and more and more. And then we continue to make him known because there's always somebody who don't know they can know Jesus. And we lead others to do the same. Why? Because it's going to take all of us. Amen? It's going to take all of us. One of the prophets he sent, Isaiah said, you know, shared what God said to his people a while back. He said, is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the preserved of Israel? He says, I, I will make you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. That's a big deal, Right? And at the time, they were like, eh, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if it fits in my schedule. I got time for you on Thursday, but you got to make it quick, bro. You know what I mean? That's how we roll. In verse 10 in Luke, he says, you know, when the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard, but the tenants beat him and sent him away. One of those prophets, Jeremiah, said, you know what? He said, you know, as a word from God to the people, he said, you know what? Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy and pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate? How and become like a wild vine? And we look at the wild vine. We, some of us think, yeah, I'm totally wild. No, this kind of wild right here ain't a good one. He says, you act like you don't even know me. You act like you don't even know me. I'm your, I'm your king. I'm your creator. No one loves your soul like I love your soul. And, and you act like you don't know me. He's telling Israel, man. And, and, and he says, not only that, you take everything I gave you and you're, you're using it to worship other things and other people and other gods. Then in verse 11, he sent another servant, but they also beat in him and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. Jeremiah once again told them back in the day, he says, look at that, you know, again, the word of God came through Jeremiah to Israel. He says, look at I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I'm not going to listen. 
This has been your way from youth when you have not obeyed my voice. He said, things are going good, man. He goes, I've been blessing you and blessing you and things have been going good, man. And I, and I tried talking to you and you're like, I ain't got time for this. I'm just having a good time with all this. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but, but you wouldn't listen, man. And this has been the way, your way since your youth. I look at Andy Stanley said, uh, Pastor Justin's favorite pastor. He said, when leaders begin to focus on the rewards, the rewards of their success, they often forget the source of their success. This is true, man. When leaders, when leaders are, again, world leaders, I'm looking at a room full of world leaders. This is the hope of the planet. Jesus people who won't be quiet. But when, the, but when leaders begin to focus on the rewards of their success, they often forget the source of their success. And Jesus is kind of sharing this story, hoping these people will get it, man, but ain't nobody trying to get it. He said in verse 12, he sent yet a third. And this one, also they wounded and cast out. In the book of Nehemiah, which was written probably about, oh, maybe 600 years before this, 700 years. Anyways, somewhere in that area. All right, one, well, a guy whose name I ain't even gonna try to pronounce, but that kind of thing, right? It's one of those names where he's like, what the heck? His parent didn't want to have children, obviously. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I was like, what? It's probably a really godly name, and I'm really going to get in trouble for that later. Um, so, but in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9, he's, he's praying this huge prayer uh, in front of Israel. All the people were gathered, man. They rebuilt the wall, man, and, and, and there was success again, and, and their life was going to get back before they were, you know, just kind of just taken down, man, by, by the enemy, all right? And he's in the middle of his prayer, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 27. He says, speaking to Israel, he's, he's speaking on the behalf of the people in this prayer. He says, and they captured fortified cities, right? They took over these lands that you gave them, all right? And the rich land. See, they took possessions of houses full of all good things, cisterns already hewn, vineyards, all right? Olive orchards and fruit trees in abundance. And so they ate and they were filled and they became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. You know, the people were like, yeah, praise the Lord, but then he said, nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. And they cast your law behind their back. And they killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn their back, turn them back to you. And they committed great blasphemies. See, Jesus is, is sharing this parable to, to, to the people who are there, and he's telling them of their history. One that they were continually repeating over and over and over again. And they were on the verge right there, just within days, on the verge of ultimate denial of God when they crucify his son. See, history, I'm here to tell you, it does not have to repeat itself. People always say history repeats itself. Yeah, it doesn't have to. It does if you're lazy. 
If you're lazy, history will repeat itself over and over and over again. I remember, man, when I first started walking with the Lord back in 1995, sold out the whole route, man, following God. You're my king, you're my savior. Eight months, man, into it strong. And then all of a sudden, man, I'm trying to get back to my wife. I'm trying to get back to my kids. I'm stuck in another state, still trying to get out of there. And all of a sudden I get hit, man. Boom, everything, man, just temptation after temptation after temptation. And all this stuff, man, back in this lifestyle I used to live, surrounded by all these people I used to chill with, and all of a sudden, here it is all in front of my face, and I fell, man, and I fell hard with just in a couple of days. And I remember, man, I'm trying to remember God, and I can't remember God, and I was just sold out, man, just hardcore. And here it is, history's coming back just to take control of my life again. And I remember walking into a bathroom, all right? I was at, I was at this house, and I walked into a bathroom, and I saw myself in the mirror, and I started crying. I closed the door. I started crying. I started crying out to God. I was, God, I don't know what to do. What do I do, man? What do I do? And God said, call your mom. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I called my mom. I called my mom right there. I said, mom, I'm freaking out, man, messing it all up, all over again. Can you come get me? She's right there. Boom. Praise God for moms, right? <laughs> all right. I'm like, get me out of here, man. <laughs> she got me out of here. Praise the Lord. He's trying to tell him, look, man, Jesus is sharing with them their history. And he's like, man, it doesn't have to repeat itself. And then the owner, he tells them, of the vineyard said, what shall I do then? Because they just keep repeating history over and over and over again. He goes, ah, I'll send my beloved son. Then perhaps they'll respect him. I will send my beloved son. And Perhaps they will respect him. I wonder how many, he's in Jerusalem, all right? Three years ago, he got baptized just outside of town, just over that hill, and there's a Jordan River, all right, through Bethany, over the, there's a Jordan River. It's not that long to go out there. And, and John was out there baptizing people, like, by the hundreds, man, over and over. Everybody was coming. So they were all out there. Just a few years ago when Jesus got baptized. I wonder how many were present right here that remember when he said, my beloved son. How many of them remembered when, when Jesus went to go be baptized? And they were all out there. And in Luke chapter 3, just a few years ago, all right, Luke chapter 3, 22, it says, the Holy Spirit descended on him as he was being baptized like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son. And with you, I'm well pleased. What more proof what do you need? All right, if you're, I'm looking, I'm like, man, if we were there, man, if we were all there and this happened and you know what? And God, the sky parted and God said about you, he said, you know what? This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter, all right? And whom I'm well pleased, all right? I'd be looking at you going, all right. What do you want to do? Because <laughs> you're in charge. All right? I just heard him say that about you. But what do you want to do, man? I'm with you. Right? And I'm thinking, man, three years later, how many of these people just let that go? They were there. They heard that. They heard that voice. They saw what took place. And they just let it go. 
How many times, man, have we heard testimony after testimony? And we say, well, that hadn't happened to me, but we saw God move. And maybe it has happened to you. And you saw God move in your life. How many times has it just wore out, got old? And we get all Janet Jackson on God. You know, what have you done for me lately? You know what I'm saying? It's like, some of you guys remember that jam? <laughs> I'm dating myself, all right, with that jam. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? All right, anyways. <laughs> right? So, never mind. <laughs> but when the tenants, verse 14, when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, this is the heir, let us kill him so that the inheritance may be ours. This is the mindset of those people, man, who choose to be their own God. This is the mindset of the people who choose to be their own God. Man, let me kill any opportunity of God in my life, and then I will truly be my own master. It's the mindset of so many in the world, they think they can hush up God, they can shut God down, they can kill God. No. And verse 15 says, and they, and they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Well, what, when, will the owner, what then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He tells this parable and people are surrounded by him. There's Pharisees there. There's people who, there's his followers there. There's people just checking it out. People who just got to town, they heard this dude, and they're like, okay, what the heck? They heard this, this, this parable, and he comes to this point right here, and then they, they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And then he asked this question, and I believe he's looking at the crowd. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? I gotta believe he paused right there and looked around. What should he do? In the, in the mind, they're thinking about what they would do. And I think it's in Matthew, they kind of shout out something. And then he says, he, he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard, all right, to others. Give that job, that responsibility, that ownership of knowing God and making God known across the planet. He's going to give that to others. And they're like, no way. Of course not. You can't do that. He's not going to do that. We're the chosen ones. We're the ones, man. We're the elite. And Jesus says the position was going to be taken away from the leaders who led the people away from God and to themselves and from the people who followed them and is going to be given to the church. All right. And it's not say he's not totally forsaking Israel and saying, I'm done with you Jews. Just those ones that were there and they were just contaminating the whole crew. Because there was a bunch of Israelites and Jews that actually followed Jesus, and that's why we're here, because of their testimony. And we're here because of their leadership. And I will tell you right now, before we get it twisted, God is not done with Israel. He's not done with Israel. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters. Israel. 
But he takes this position away from those guys right there. And he hands it over to the church. And once again, Jesus shows us that you, just, you can't just claim the title. You must own the position. You, you can't just claim the title, man. I am, you know, hey, man, I, I'll go to the church. You got to own the position. Hey, I'm a Christian. You got to own the position. Yeah, I follow Jesus. Man, prove it. Prove it. I always challenge people who are not believers, all right, and they're looking for evidence. I tell them, you know what? Go find a Christian, knock, you know, knock on their door, pat them on the back or whatever, and just kind of get their attention and say, look it, man, I'm not a follower of Christ. I understand you are. I believe you're the evidence I'm looking for so I can follow Jesus. What would you do if somebody came up and told you that? We need to live the lives, man, that people can just say, hey, man, hey, are you, yeah, I heard you were one of those Christians. Man, can I just watch you for a while? Let me finish my taco. Um, or you want to watch me eat this taco because I really have a good time. I love tacos. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? We, we, you know, we, have, to, we, we have to be you know, cognizant that, that God is calling us to own the position. You see, we're the new tenants in the story, all right, of the vineyard. And you know what? You're like, wait, what? And I'm like, I know. That's crazy. And then he looked directly, verse 17, he looks directly at them and he says, what then, what, what then is, is this that is written? And he shows them some of the Old Testament passages that they know well of. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it'll crush them. He said, Jesus is that cornerstone. The son is that cornerstone. And unbelief is unbelief, whether you fall and trip over him or whether the stone itself crushes you. Unbelief is unbelief, and it's turn, it turns out the same every time. Every, every time. You see, I believe we have these stories of those people who failed to get it right. We have stories, that's what I love about the scriptures is because they never just kind of just, you know, uh, Photoshop all their, all their heroes and leaders and just all the people. I think the reason we have these stories of those who have failed to get it right is not so we can say how lame they were. I would have handled it differently, but no, so that we can learn not to do the same things so that we can learn not to do the same thing. See, we're the church that Jesus hands the job over to. The God himself says, look at man, you know, man, that, that, that he's given us this work. And again, it's not that the church has a mission, it's that God has a church for his mission. So how do we prevent ourselves from doing the same thing right here? Message after message and straight arm after straight arm and ignoring after ignoring and can you shut up? I've got it, all right. How can we prevent ourselves from doing the same thing? A couple of nights later, Jesus gives an answer to that for us. 
for all of us. See, a few nights later, stories that you're pretty familiar with, Jesus is in a room with just the apostles. And he uh, shares and implements like the Lord's Supper, the, what we know to be called the Lord's Supper. The bread, this is, take this, and the wine, that happens. And then he gets a basin and he washes the feet of the disciples. That's all taking place there. A lot of great teaching. John chapter uh, 13 through 17, man. Actually, through 16, you have all that taking place. And then outside, they're praying in John 17. But it's all one night. And there's so much great teaching. And then in, and, and it's, it's happening. They're just kind of soaking it all up. And in the middle of it all, Jesus, he just leads... And we have a, this testimony in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Actually, uh, verses 1 through 17 is really killer, just chunk of, of, of this right here. And he says to them, he says, I am the vine. And my father is the vine dresser. All of a sudden, Jesus, the author of the story, steps into the story. And he shows them. He makes it clear, all these things about these vineyards and these tenants and all this stuff. He makes it clear, crystal clear, man. He says, I am the vine. I'm the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will bear more fruit. He, as, as he shared in the parable, God removes what's not bearing fruit. He's already made that pretty clear, all right? Again, you just can't claim the title. You gotta own the position, all right? And this is more about being than it is doing. This is more about being in Christ than it is doing Jesus-type things. And I tell you that because we get it twisted so, so often. Too often we set out to do the things that we think God would have us do while neglecting to be the person that he would have us be. We have this running list, like, I think I should do that. I think I should, all right, I'll do, I don't know if I want to do that. All right, and we, and we think that, that yeah, there's all these things we, we set out to, be, to do all these things that God would have us do while well, we neglect to be the person that he would have us be. And, that's, and we wonder why we have such a hard time staying connected to the vine and bearing fruit. Right? His call is to all of us to be his. Like we just sang, everything we are in him Everything we are in him, that's the fruit he desires to know God, man, to just continually, I'm not done knowing God. I'm not finished. I haven't just arrived. I am continually pursuing to know him more and more and more in this area of life, in this area of life, in this whole life, in this relationship, in this relationship, constantly and constantly in this thing, in this circumstance, in this circumstance. What does God want? What does he see? How, how can I remain connected to him as I move forward into all these things. I mean, how, can, how in the world can we convince that this life in Christ is about anything less? He says already, he goes, again, he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does 
bear fruit. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. In verse 3 and 4, he says, already you're clean. He's talking to these guys because of the word that I've spoken to you. But then he gets, this is it right here. You cannot miss this, all right? Are you awake? If somebody's sleeping, man, just say, you need to wake up for this right here. Come on. All right, don't do that. Don't do it like that. Some of you are like, man, he said I could. No, um, don't, don't do that. All right? But this is it. In verse 4, he says, abide in me. This is so huge, and I think we miss it because we oversimplify this. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides, unless it lives, unless it dwells, unless it takes up its residence. Bring your furniture, he says. Bring your luggage. Move in right here. He says, abide in me, and let, I'm bringing my furniture, I'm bringing my luggage, I'm even going to hang some pictures up, all right, as, as I and I and you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you unless you abide in me. This is the key to the universe, man. This is the key. This is everything you need right here. Make your home in him 24-7. This is the key to our existence. This is the key to standing before God and know that you belong standing there. This is, this is, I can't tell you enough, man. Life is going to bam and just bam and then woo, all right. Everything is going to be up and down all over the place. And unless you are centered in Christ like this, you will get tossed around by this life and you will live according to circumstance. And circumstances will become your God, your functional Savior. Things are going good, I'm saved. Things are going bad, oh man. Abide in me, and I in you. Oswald Chambers puts it like this, and I love this. I'll put it on and leave this up there for a minute, Sharon, please. He says, as I, I, as a child of God, belong to heaven and to God. It's, it's not a question of, of giving up sin, but of giving my, my right to myself, my natural independence, and my self-will. This is where the battle has to be fought. Hold that right there. Leave that up there for a minute, please. He says, it's, 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 it's not a question of me just giving up this sin. Okay, I got to give up this sin. I got to give up this sin. No, 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 no. I'll tell you, there's a much easier way. If you're struggling with sins, if you're struggling with different doubts and stuff like that and all these craziness, whatever the case may be and anxieties, it's not about trying to give this up and give this up. It's about giving everything, all right, to God. He's giving your whole life and say, man, you are in charge of this life. My independence, my self-will, that's the fight. When I overcome sin, when I overcome sin, when I do it, when I say, man, I, go, I don't do that anymore, I overcame that sin, all right, I can easily take credit like all the Pharisees before me. I can take credit. Look, look at me. Here's what I did. But when I give up my right to myself, he removes the me that was preventing me from being completely in him. What does that look like? He gives us inspiration of his Holy Spirit as well in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This, this verse right here challenged me to put my boots on and, and just start walking with the Lord. 
He says, I've been crucified. I heard this back in 1996, man, right after I fell so hard, all right? And then got back up and started following God. Just a couple of months later, I received this instruction from the Lord, and he challenged me. I have, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, all right? This is the life that God has called me. This is, he said, this is the man I called you to be. This is who I created you to be. This is the woman I've challenged you to be, and I'm calling you to be. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I live now in the flesh. I live by faith, all right, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, all right? I want to remind you when you think about this type of life, all right, and when you're challenged by a word like this, because we look at this, man, and people will say, you know what, I've tried this. I've tried Jesus. Have you ever heard somebody say, I tried the church, man. I tried Jesus. Didn't work for me. You ever hear that? All right, who does that make you? Think about that, man, because you know what? I'll tell you this. Jesus, this is not something you try and do. This is someone you choose to be. This is not something you try and do, all right? But this is someone you just stand and say, you know what? A lot of you have made declarations in your life. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. Yes, I'll take some of that. This is who I am. But ultimately... When it comes to Christ, man, you know what? When, when I say God is something I tried, then I become his God. This is not something you try. This is something, someone you choose to be. When people try Jesus, they, they just don't know who Jesus is. You have to remember, he breathes out, man, and we breathe in. <laughs> you ever think about that? You know what I mean? Because that could stop. This oxygen could stop right now if he chose. We'll all be like, what the heck? And then he'd breathe out. Oh, yeah, okay. Sorry about that. We're with you. (laughs) He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. There it is. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what are we going to do about that? Because <clears throat> that was a lot. It's always a lot, isn't it? I told you at the very beginning, we're going to put it to the test. How'd you do? <laughs> I'm still trying to, I haven't finished yet. <laughs> Me neither. All right? Me neither. We're still working on this together. Amen? So here's what I want you to do. We got to do something about this, right? And this is, uh, this is, a, a, a maybe simple but yet pretty deep place to start. And I want to challenge you for the next seven days, all right, to say a prayer. All right, I want you to challenge you to a prayer, a purpose, and a question. Three things. It's real simple. And I'm going to make this real simple. And so please, you know, write these references down. And the question is pretty simple. All right, there's a prayer, there's a purpose, and then there's a question I want you to ask. And the prayer is Psalms 51.10. You're just praying scripture back to God. And if you can pray this prayer, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. 29 years ago, the prayer changed my life. And I've been praying it ever since. Because it never ends. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Only God can do that. Only, this is something that only God can do. We pray those prayers. Do something only you can do, God. I hear that all the time. Well, now you're challenging God. All right, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That's a prayer. And the purpose is what we just said. Galatians 2.20. Here is your purpose. Put this in front of you. Put a sticky note with this prayer on your bathroom mirror, in your car, somewhere, man. The prayer, Psalms 51.10. The purpose, I have been crucified. Leave your house. Make a declaration before you leave your house. You know what? What? I'm getting ready to go to work. I'm getting ready to go to school. I'm getting ready to go to the store. I'm getting ready to go across the street, get the mail. All right. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. All right. And gave himself for me. Amen. There's our prayer. There's our purpose. And the question I want you to rock is right here. What do I have to remove that is in the way of me being this person? Amen. All right. If you need prayer, come up and get that dang prayer. You need it. All right. There's a fence back there. Put your prayer in there. Come on, church. It's your turn. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen.